broadcasted live. There are balls coming from all over the place. Left field, center field, right field. See, this this is the kind of thing, quite honestly, right now that makes you want to see the Chicago Cubs team lose. Now, are you just saying you want to have fun, or do you really want to have fun? It'll be fun. Will the next person that sees anybody throw anything onto this field, point them out, or get them out of here? You don't live in Cleveland. You talking to me? You talking to me? That is the farthest thing in the universe from the truth. Hello, everyone, live. It's the Dan Scott Show. And right there is your host, Dan Scott. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome to uh, another edition of the show. Here on WZLA in Abbeville, it's the Dan Scott Show. And in the podcast world, it is episode 19 of Grumpy Old Broadcasters. And, um, well, after the weekend that we've had, I'm not sure if we're going to be grumpy or not, but we are here as we have reached the uh, midway point uh, of the month of December, or right at the midway point anyway, and uh, heading down the stretch toward Christmas. Hope that uh, everything is going well for you and yours, and that... Um, well, it, it's uh, it's been a good opening couple of weeks to this month. I know it's been a crazy year, 2020. Maybe we're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. We hope it's not an oncoming train. But you know what? We're going to deal with whatever comes and continue to move forward because that's that's how we roll around here. Got a good one for you today. Of course, I say that all the time. I'm ever the optimist, but maybe a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I'll let you know when we begin the next segment. But I know for sure Tom Van Hoy is here. Dave Glenn uh, of accsports.com and theathletic.com will be with us as well. And uh, we'll do what we normally do, try to inform and entertain. And at the end of the day, hope that uh, we all learn something we did not know. And I always say that's usually the case, if nowhere else, for the guy behind the host microphone. Just a couple of things. I remind you, the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Tadaro Pizza uh, on uh, Markley Street in downtown Greenville, just down the block from Floorfield at the West End. And uh, they uh, are still cranking it out, man. Uh, despite uh, COVID and everything else going on, they they have uh, inside dining. They have outside dining space. Um, right now, uh, in the Clemson store, it is just pickup and delivery. But over in Greenville, you can still eat inside. The food is great. The people are even better. John and his staff over there are working hard to make sure that you can enjoy the best pizza around, but do it in a very, very safe environment. Find out more at the website, todaropizza.com, T-O-D-A-R-O, pizza.com, or you can look them up on Facebook, Todaro Pizza in Greenville, uh, Todaro Pizza GVL on Twitter. There are all kinds of ways you can follow them. And please tell them that you heard about them here on the show and the podcast. And as always, we want to hear from you. You can email me, thedanscottshow at gmail.com, or if you're listening in the podcast world on any of our multiple platforms, just leave us a comment and share the podcast. We uh, want to continue to grow this thing and try to reach uh, and bother as many people as we can if we get right down to it. All right, we'll take a break. We will come back, and on the other side, we will begin today's journey through the world of sports, wrapping up a big weekend and looking ahead. All that coming up in just a moment. All right, welcome back. We are just getting things started here on this edition of the Dan Scott Show slash episode 19 of Grumpy Old Broadcasters. I am Dan Scott. Tom Van Hoy is with us as per usual. Dave Glenn will be here in the second half of our get-together. And I told you in the open that I thought we might have a surprise for you. And I guess it depends on your definition of surprise. But the the entire Grumpy Old Broadcasters gang <laughs> is back together. Not only Tom is here, 
but Cobb Oxford is here, and of course the lovely and talented Dory Kid Smith is here. How is everyone? Let's hear it, Cobb Oxford. How is everyone? <laughs> Cobb, you know, we got to remember, you know, Cobb, that it's it's, it's partly it's, cloudy. It's, it's, it's audio. <laughs> We're seeing each other on Zoom, but everybody else can't see your thumbs down. So. <laughs> no, it was. It little, was kind of a half thumb down. Yeah, lukewarm. It was lukewarm. <laughs> well, how how is uh, how's everyone doing uh, individually, Dory? I'll I'll start with you. I told you I was going to drag some info out of you. Uh, you. You guys have actually come through one round of COVID, and you're involved in another. But uh, you're smiling, and that's that's the most important thing. You're smiling. I'm smiling thanks to you guys. Seriously, thank you guys this morning for. Being here, Cobb, it's great, great to see you too, TVH, but we're not used to seeing you. We're usually just getting the audio from you, which is also awesome. But Dan, thanks for bringing this together and letting me just sit here and be a fly on the wall because that's what I want to do. I just want to listen. You guys give me energy. We're, we're doing great. We're doing great. We're, uh, yes, we're in day 94 of quarantine. <laughs> um, actually, it really, it will have been a total of 44 days once it's over. I have had COVID by the grace of God. I recovered within about a week. You guys know I did have all the symptoms. It is real. The virus is in fact real. I can attest to that. However, the approach to this virus, I cannot agree with. But anyway, so that's we're now in a quarantine because my son had tested positive last Tuesday after he had tested positive or excuse me, negative twice. He got a positive test and he has symptoms as well. So he's doing okay. He's in his bedroom sort of sequestered and we're, we're just making it through. We're making it to 2021, and I appreciate you guys giving me that extra oomph to get there. I needed it, trust me. Well, if, there's, if, if we do nothing else, our, our job is to try to provide some oomph in, in whatever way, shape, or form that is. How are things on Oxford Farm? Um, we're good. We, um, we've been hanging in there, and you know, just trying to, one day at a time, uh, we have not had COVID. I uh, did have a, a little uh, heart procedure about three weeks ago that uh, that you kept secret from everybody. By the way, seems to seems to have worked really well. I have like a lot of people walking around have AFib, had AFib, and uh, uh, this was the next step. And is outpatient procedure where they run a wire up in your heart and burn part of your heart. So. Uh, but we're in rhythm now. I don't know if it'll help my dancing, but I'm in rhythm. Well, I was, I was going to ask, as I do everybody who goes through some kind of procedure, did did you take advantage of the opportunity to to use one of the world's oldest, oldest but best jokes? Did you ask the doctor if you'd be able to yeah. play the piano after the procedure was done? No, but I, as they were rolling me into the procedure room, as they rolled me by my 12-year-old doctor, I, yeah, he said, got any questions? I said, I've read enough on the internet to be scared. He says, don't worry, I've read a whole lot more. Well, I guess that's some comfort, right? Well, when you see John Hopkins at the top of some guy's resume, eh, he feel pretty good. And, and not Doogie Howser. Right, exactly. Not, uh, you know, Western Caribbean School of Medicine and uh, milking. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and Tom, you're Tom, you're hey, still Cobb. Cobb, uh, who's your interior decorator there? Uh, I am. Okay. Can you tell? I'm looking. Yeah. We're doing this you, in audio. You will have to come down one day and see the museum. <laughs> okay. We'd love to. Uh, well, let's 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 start with something um, uh, that that we haven't really talked about in any of our previous shows in in the last few weeks because we've been kind of focused on football and some other things, but. Cobb, your your uh, closest in relationship to the Clemson men's basketball program, Brad Brownell's got his team off to an undefeated start, wow. and, and four of their five wins have been over Power Five conference teams, which is the first time they've done that maybe ever in a five and zero start. It uh, it is early, but it is you, you can it, this can be said right now. This is his best team. Um, the defense is not a surprise, although I think it's been way over the top, but now he's got, they've played as many as 12 guys um, in a game and uh, they're spreading the ball around. They're making threes. They're, uh, 
but the defense against Maryland in the first half was just a, a thing of beauty. And uh, they did the same thing to Alabama Saturday. They actually gave the lead back there late, trailed by one, and then closed with a 10-1 run. See you later. Um, I think Alabama scored on one of their last 11 possessions. So um, it is uh, it's something to want. Now, tomorrow night's big at Virginia Tech. Um, Virginia Tech has had some mixed results early. They beat Villanova and then got hammered in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So, um, it, uh, but that'd be, that's a big game. And then Saturday at South Carolina, uh, we don't know a whole lot about South Carolina. I think they've been ravaged by the virus. And then um, home for Moorhead State. So maybe could make it to Christmas undefeated would be quite a feat. You know, back in, in the uh, the Cliff Ellis era, there were a lot of seasons that they would have outstanding non-conference seasons, but oh, yeah. they, they played the Little Sisters of the Poor and, and some of those things. you you got to feel better about the non-conference schedule uh, with the results that you're seeing right now. Well, two against the Big Ten and two against the SEC, so uh, that hasn't happened that I can remember. Uh, yeah, my, my buddy Pac-Man used to call it O for Snow, that uh, Clemson would get through December undefeated, and then January and February were normally a death march. So uh, uh, this this is going to be different. I uh, uh, the top of the league is kind of teetering right now. Got mixed results from Duke and North Carolina, and uh, in Virginia is always going to defend, but their uh, their issue is offense also. So. Uh, uh, I think I think the Tigers are settling near the top right now, and uh, and of course right out of the gate they get to see the best team in the league at home, Florida State, on the 29th. So that will uh, that'll be a nice little measuring stick. Something else we can talk uh, with a little more in depth about Dave or with Dave Glenn when he joins us uh, in the second half of our uh, show slash podcast. Uh, this is uh, the uh, Dan Scott Show on WZLA in Abbeville, uh, airing every Monday, 4.30 to 5.30, and uh, doubling up as the uh, Grumpy Old Broadcasters podcast, episode number 19. So uh, we're trying to do as much damage as we can. You don't even get a chance to loosen up in an hour, do you? I mean, it takes you... Takes an hour to get your arm loose, doesn't it? Well, I, you know, I got, I got a little bit... They of, need to give you more time. I got a little bit of news on that front. Get a little bit of news on that front. Oh, uh, you, you know, with, see, you didn't even prompt me with, with our uh, with our uh, at Furman. You know, we've got a, a new relationship with ESPN Upstate, uh, which uh, covers uh, all of Greenville County and all of Spartanburg County as our right. fla- as our flagship station. And uh, on January the 18th, uh, a, a certain someone is going to be pinch hitting uh, from noon to three hosting uh-huh. uh, one of the uh, daily talk shows. There, so oh. we'll have we'll have we'll have uh, three hours of damage to do on January the eighteenth, uh, and and maybe before that if uh, some other things shake out during the holidays. But uh, right now I'm I'm penciled in for uh, for January. So, we you, you guys may Tom, get he's big time in us. He's big time. Us, you got you got no. I, I would have I would have imagined and had pretty much already made up my mind that one of the segments will be a grumpy old broadcaster segment. You know, j- just to ensure that they'll never call me back again. So, try try to do what we can. You know, we're we're familiar with that, aren't we, Tom? Yeah, and and, and Tom, the uh, one of the things from a programming standpoint is if you if you find somebody that'll show up in radio and fill in, that's a good thing too. So exactly, gotta, exactly. Yeah. And, and and who can and, we call? And let let's not overlook this particular fact because of our relationship as flagship station and school someone who will show up on time and work for free. Ooh. Yeah. So, key elements. Yes. Two key elements. So so Number I two being the key element. So so I went to the top of the list, baby, <laughs> for pinch we'll hitters. Work for food. I, I, I is was, there a crack is there a cracker machine in the station? Yes, I, I get the chance to be the uh, Manny Moda of uh of ESPN Upstate, perhaps if things go well on January the 18th, but uh, well, we're... Cobb, when you were working in sports information, and and uh, is is that where it all began with the uh, media types and and broadcasters? The the term if uh, if it's free, it's for me. No, that's been a long time thing. You know, <laughs> you, 
used to, you'd go to a bowl game and they'd load you down. When I worked for the Orange and White, we always got what the football team got. I mean, it's like an armload of stuff. You know, then late in my career, it was, uh, here's a computer bag. Here's a T-shirt. Maybe a ball cap. I remember one year, yeah, one year at the was, Gator Bowl, it was a towel. It was a beach towel. Yeah, the ball, the bowl. At one year at the Citrus Bowl, it was this towel that would like cover your house. And uh, so, it, uh, <laughs> you know, bowl gifts have definitely uh, gotten skimpier as the years have gone on. Uh, unlike most of us. Well, no, you've gotten pretty skimpy here, well, pal. Congratulations. I, I, I don't know if you call me skimpy yet, but I'm just saying. I don't. I don't even recognize you in the photos. I. It is a. Uh, it is dramatic, and I'm and I'm proud of you. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, 175 pounds gone as we sit here mm. and speak today. So, uh, Dan Scott Show and Grumpy Old Broadcaster. I tell you what, let's take a break. And come back because uh, through the magic of Zoom, Dave Glenn is already here. And this may give us an opportunity to go a little bit longer with Dave because I think there are some things that our little panel of quasi-experts here are going to want to hear his opinion on. So we'll take the break and come back. This is uh, the Dan Scott Show at WZLA in Abbeville and the Grumpy Old Broadcasters, Episode 18. And we'll return in just a moment. Welcome back. We continue here on the uh, Dan Scott Show slash Grumpy Old Broadcasters podcast. Good to have you along for the ride. As always, the entire Grumpy Old Broadcasters gang is here with us. That would be Tom Van Hoy, who's uh, in with us every week. Cobb Oxford, Dory Kid Smith is here. And, well, as you begin to hear this familiar music popping up in the background, you know that uh, whether he is grumpy or old or not, he is definitely a broadcaster. He's also a print journalist and has been covering the ACC for low these many years. Dave Glenn, accsports.com, theathletic.com, and its subsite, The Athletic Carolinas, joining us here for what will be an extended second segment of our get-together today. David, how are you? I am doing great, Dan. Good to see you and the rest of the crew today. Hey, I think I told you last week, uh, and, and if not, I'll, I'll tell you now. Uh, you know, we're always talking about uh, your your uh, working for the athletic, and and uh, what a phenomenal place that is. I took advantage of the Black Friday deal. You know, six months at a dollar a month wasn't good enough for me, but on Black <laughs> Friday, when they extended it to a full year for a dollar a month, um, you know, I was born at night, but not last night. I jumped on that bad boy, and I got to tell you. I, I am enjoying the heck out of it, and I will keep it when it goes back. You know, after a year to seven ninety nine a month or whatever it is, it's it's great stuff. Well, thank you, and that's the biggest compliment of all. And we're finding that a lot of people who just test it out do convert to the kind of full time subscriber. And we all know how crazy the sports media world is, or more broadly, the whole media world is just insane right now. So. It's hard to get people to pay for information, so uh, we're proud that we got past one million worldwide subscribers at The Athletic, and uh, I'm, I'm just honored to be a part of uh, an enterprise that has attracted so many great sports journalists from all over the world. And, and as a broad statement, Dory, uh, I imagine he could just left the word media out there and just said how crazy the world is right <laughs> now, right? Yes, correct. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Dory's going to be like uh, Monty, the uh, you know, Bob Euchre sidekick in Major League. Line, <laughs> line drive, caught. <laughs> Perfect. So, Best color man in the league. That's right. <laughs> exactly. So, Dave, before we get into some opinion and speculation, let, let's talk a little bit of news uh, in the conference. Uh, the last time we got together, we were talking about four uh, finalist, it appeared, for the ACC commissioner's job. And like two days after that, Jim Clements at Clemson took his name out of consideration. But you're telling me now it looks like the conference has zeroed in on somebody. Yeah, Jim Phillips is the athletic director at Northwestern. And he has done, by all accounts, an amazing job. This is a guy who's been named the athletic director of the year nationally uh, by various outlets. Uh, he has been on the NCAA tournament selection committee and other you know, high leadership positions around the NCAA. And remember, as you all know, we've often talked, Dan, over the years about the Big Ten and the ACC having very similar mindsets 
about the nature of college athletics. And even in a world where some people roll their eyes about the idea that, you know, you can play big time sports, but also care about a young person socially and academically. There are exceptions to that, of course, but the ACC and the Big Ten, in my opinion, do take it more seriously than some others do. And because Jim Phillips has not only been in that culture in the Big Ten for a long time, he also worked for almost a decade at Notre Dame, not a full ACC member, obviously, and not a member at all at the time, but uh, he has run in the same circles as a lot of ACC decision makers. And a lot of people believe Jim Phillips would have been the best pick as the Big Ten athletic director to succeed Jim Delaney uh, a couple years ago. Uh, the ACC, if this is you know ultimately a done deal, they're thrilled to get a guy. He's in his early 50s. I mean, you know, he picked Chris Collins, who got Northwestern to its first NCAA men's basketball tournament at a school that's been lousy in basketball forever. He found Pat Fitzgerald as the football coach, you know, arguably the best football coach that school has ever had. So he's done a lot right fundraising at places like Tennessee and Notre Dame and elsewhere. And he's just a smart, sharp guy. And I think, Dan, he didn't want his name in these headlines about the ACC search because he didn't want to upset the apple cart at Northwestern in case he ended up staying there. Whereas Jim Clements of Clemson, um, you know, and some of the other candidates, you know, Burke Magnus of ESPN, I, one by one, they were withdrawing their names publicly. And I think that's because behind the scenes, they knew that the ACC had kind of honed in on Jim Phillips of, of uh, Northwestern. Tom, Cobb, Dory, somebody. Well, I mean, eventually you got to make that kind of decision. And, and, and Dave, how different is it in terms of what the background is right now when you're looking for a commissioner? I mean, you look at what happened to the Pac-12 and some other places, maybe went a little bit different, but the, you just detailed his background, and, and uh, which was uh, very impressive as well. How much of a difference does that make what that background was like versus maybe some other decisions that have been made at uh, other Power 5 conferences? Yeah, Tom, that's a great question. And my bottom line is that the ACC came to that fork in the road a while back, basically saying, look, the Pac-12 decided to hire a guy named Larry Scott, whose background was in mm -hmm. professional tennis, no college sports background. Uh, the Big Ten ended up hiring Kevin Warren, who had a little college background, but was essentially an NFL executive for a long time. Again, a totally different culture and environment. That doesn't mean they're not talented people. But the question was asked, has college sports evolved to the point financially where understanding the culture of college sports is less important for a commissioner and understanding money matters and, you know, uh, the, the corporate side of things is even more important. The ACC, unlike those two other Power Five leagues, decided that understanding a college sports culture was mm -hmm. essential. And if you remember, I mean, Jim Clements certainly understands it. He's not just a university president. He was very involved in athletics. Uh, and still is. You know, Burke Magnus, of course, at ESPN. Stan Wilcox used to work at Florida State and Duke, now at the NCAA. And Gloria Navarez is the commissioner of the West Coast Conference. Obviously, three of those four, or two of those four, have traditional college sports backgrounds. The other two work in college sports sort of indirectly. But there was no off-the-wall, off-the-beaten-path, from a different industry entirely, serious contender here. Jim Phillips is going to be probably more like the example all of us have seen since we were children. A commissioner is almost always either grabbing a commissioner from another league that might not be as prominent as you, or giving a promotion to an athletic director. Those are the routes that we've seen for a long, long time. And the ACC, I believe, still thinks that's the correct model. And the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, you know, they've had their share of indigestion under those two commissioners. The ACC is, if, if Jim Phillips does, you know, ultimately accept this job, they're thrilled that they get a guy who understands their culture, even from afar, but even more broadly, you know, that if you can win in sports at Northwestern without selling your soul, you understand the ACC's preferred approach to such things. And I think the ACC got one of the most universally respected people in all of college sports. And that was their goal many months ago when they said they were not going to go outside their comfort zone. So is everybody happy? I mean, this literally is the first commissioner 
He's worked for people in the ACC, but he's never worked in the ACC. This is, this is definitely a step out for the league. It is. It's kind of a half step out, Cobb. You're right, because for those who don't know, I mean, John Swafford, of course, former UNC athletic director, Gene Corrigan, uh, his predecessor as ACC commissioner, had coached and been an athletic director at UVA. So there were always the questions, you know, is Swafford really a Carolina guy? Is Corrigan really a Virginia guy? Theoretically, all of that is out the door. Now, you know, fans, they'll come up with a conspiracy theory, right? <laughs> they'll uh, yeah. That's what we're here for. So, wait, so, some, people, some people on this Zoom call will come up with a conspiracy I'll, I'll theory. Say, Coach, Coach K would never have. Uh, I, am, I gladly wear that badge. I, imagine. They'll, they'll seriously say, if Chris Collins, Coach K's former player, who's now the basketball coach at Northwestern, had not secretly told, you know, Coach K, that Jim Phillips, you know, of course will keep Duke's best interest at heart at all times, then Coach K, the kingmaker, would never have allowed, you know, the green light on this. So who knows? But the answer is yes, Cobb. In the real world, everybody's excited, and nobody has any reason to believe that Jim Phillips would have anything but an even hand. Although, again, he did spend almost a decade at, at Notre Dame, so you can start your other conspiracy theories there, I guess. Well, yeah, I've already taken off with what you just said, but I'm putting on my beat reporter uh, shoes here, or my whole entire outfit, and I'm going to look at Northwestern. Who's who's a Northwestern fan? Did Jeff Hart play football at Northwestern? Do you guys know Jeff Hart, NBC, you know, WYFF, Jeff Hart? Thank I think that might be the only person I would ever know that maybe had connection. He and I have interned together in the 90s, and no shade, but I don't know if he played a Northwestern or not. But the point is, I know no Northwestern fans. I want to get in there and figure out, did they like this guy? Have they liked him as an athletic director? Has he been just given all kinds of accolades? Oh, no I'm- doubt. Yeah, and you know the deal. It's hard to be a popular athletic director. At some point, somebody's you know throwing something at you because they didn't like this coaching decision or that financial decision. Uh, my understanding from afar is that Jim Phillips is universally respected in the Big Ten. I mentioned those leadership positions around the NCAA. You don't get those unless people like you enough to vote for you, you know, as the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. He was actually scheduled to take a different position in 2021. Now, obviously, that's off the table, assuming he becomes the ACC commissioner. But Northwestern fans, remember, Dory, went from decades, I believe, weren't they guys maybe the last – Power five programs that have never made the NCAA tournament, right? That's correct. So out of what is that, 70 or so schools, the Northwestern Wildcats were the last one that had never been a part of March Madness. He hires Chris Collins. Collins gets them there. And that doesn't mean they're a, you know, a landmark program now. They still have their ups and downs. But Pat Fitzgerald's made Northwestern football about as good as it can get. Jim Phillips has raised money about as well as they ever have. And Chris Collins has upgraded basketball. And, oh, by the way, they've, they've been really, really good in other sports that don't get as much attention. So if you're a Northwestern fan, given where you came from, I don't know why you wouldn't be doing backflips over what this guy has done over the last decade or so. Okay. Well, I'm curious to know, because, and I will find out. I'm going to investigate this because I need to get <laughs> off this con- conspiracy theory that I'm on. I can't get off of. Um, but – it, there's a parallel for sure, you know, and there there needs to be a balance. It sounds like he's the outsider coming in to the ACC, and I don't know how that's sitting with the conference. Yeah. And, the, you know, it's, I want to know why – I mean, I'm a big fan of Jim Clements, so I don't know why he would publicly withdraw. And Jim Phillips is doing um, – covertly doing sort of, I guess, lobbying for the, the commissioner position, right? I mean, he had to be doing it, but he was doing it on the sly. I don't know if I love that. I, I'm curious to know what – is going on, you know, in the conference. There might be sort of a war going on in the conference. I don't know. The old school way versus this new school way of thinking where you have to raise academics and athletics have to be pretty balanced. You can't have too much of an imbalance there or it's going to tip. And, uh, you know, Clemson's kind of teetering on that balance a lot in the last, I would say, 10 to 15 years of trying to get to where we are now. Yeah, It's hard balance. The ACC probably has more diversity in how its schools approach things, right? I mean, Florida State academically is nothing like Duke or Boston College or some of the Wake Forest, some of the schools that 
really asked their coaches to sign extremely high caliber student athletes in, in big numbers. So I, I do think Jim Phillips will experience more diversity that way. Um, but I don't think he's an outsider to the same degree that we mentioned with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten decisions. You know, those guys were from different worlds. Kevin Warren from the NFL, Larry Scott from professional tennis. If, you know, Jim Phillips, having been at Notre Dame, having been, he worked at Tennessee for a while, having been at Northwestern as the AD for more than a decade, you get to know your ACC colleagues. You know, there's the ACC Big Ten Challenge. You sit on some committees together. So it's not a true stranger. It's kind of halfway, halfway out of your comfort zone, but not all the way to that completely wildcat hire like Larry Scott from professional tennis to the Pac-12. So uh, I know that everybody I've talked to, and, and one person, I actually, through the wonders of modern technology, I did a little search of my texts. So way back in June, Dan, I forget if we were doing shows back then, way back in June, I contacted maybe my 20 most knowledgeable ACC people. And I said, hey, Swafford's retiring. Who comes to mind? Something just that blanket. And I did a little search of my texts. And former UVA athletic director, Craig Littlepage, I forget if he, uh, maybe, maybe I'm talking out of school here. Maybe he had asked me to be confidential. I can't remember. Uh, but I want to give him credit. <laughs> I want to give him credit because in June, he said, DG, watch Jim Phillips of Northwestern because he knew that his colleagues, having he, Little Page, you know, longtime ACC guy, his colleagues viewed Jim Phillips in an extremely positive way. Um, and here we are months later, and Jim Phillips appears to be the guy. If he's the choice, there's a lot of positives about this league right now. What, yeah. what are his biggest challenges as he uh, goes to Greensboro? Well, Cobb, I think it's related to why ESPN executive Burke Magnus was one of the other finalists. Mm -hmm. If we did a deep dive on finances, the ACC would not be in nearly as strong a position as the Southeastern Conference and the Big Ten. It would be closer to the Big 12, closer to the Pac-12. But among the Power Five, which everybody thinks of as just sort of one level all by itself. Within right. the Power Five, there's dramatically different financial outlooks. And to get all the way to the bottom line quickly, if you're the Big Ten and the SEC, you are printing money, and your TV deals moving forward will allow you to screw up in countless ways and deal with a pandemic and scandal and anything else might come your way, and you still have such deep pockets and long-term contracts that – that money's going to make a lot of those problems go away. If you're the other three leagues, you are not working from a position of that kind of power and financial stability. So some of these, remember, the biggest TV deals for the ACC are actually set. We're in the year 2020. Some of these deals are set like 15 years into the future. And a lot of people believe ESPN got a great deal. In, in other words, the SEC is getting maybe out negotiating CBS and ESPN, and some people believe that ESPN out negotiated the ACC and got kind of a bargain basement price. So Jim Phillips will inherit lesser TV deals than the one he's leaving behind, you know, leaving Northwestern and leaving the Big Ten. So his background as that fundraiser I mentioned, you know, as a businessman, I think is even more important that is obviously his ability to hire coaches, his ability to serve on leadership positions and committees. He's going to have to be a money man because this league is simply not nearly as wealthy as the SEC and the Big Ten in particular. So how does the SEC-ABC thing that was announced affect the ACC? I think it's, it, it underlines the fact, I'll never forget, former Boston College Athletic Director Gene DeFilippo mm -hmm. said out loud – what most athletic directors have been saying privately for a long time. And I'm paraphrasing his quote, but it was basically, listen, in these TV deals, it is 80 plus percent about football, 15 or to 19% about men's basketball and less than 1% about every other sport combined. That's what he said out loud, which we know is true, but they would never say on the record most of the time. 
especially in the ACC, right? You got it. And and this is a league, and we've all covered it for a long time. Obviously, men's basketball carried the torch for way too long. And if you go back to when we were young people, I'll just speak for myself. As a young guy, we were we were in a world, guys, where men's basketball would bring in roughly similar amounts of money as the sport of football. Now, I'm going way back to the late 1980s when I say that. Over time, we've evolved into a world where so many millions of eyeballs are tuning in for especially these bigger college football games. That men's basketball, even though, of course, it has many more games, larger inventory, et cetera, men's basketball is a smaller fraction of the TV revenue than I would have guessed as a journalist before I saw the actual numbers. If it's 80 to 85% football and only 15 to 19% men's basketball, you better get better in football. Mm -hmm. And as much as I'm looking forward to Clemson versus Notre Dame, and that's one of the highest, maybe the highest profile ACC title game we've ever had. I mean, I'm excited that Clemson's a two-time national champion under Dabo Sweeney. It's hard to believe, but it was seven years ago where Florida State won a national championship in the sport of football. That's good because this league in football was mostly irrelevant for long stretches of its history, especially if you go way, way back. So you got to get better in football. You do have some demographics that work on your side now that you're a bigger league with fans in you know, very populated parts of the country. But until you have more people I'll put it this way. Until you have more schools that are as passionate about football as Clemson is, you're going to be swimming upstream. You don't have to ask how many fans in the SEC are truly passionate about the sport that prints money in the backyard. You don't have to ask. It's not just Alabama. It's Auburn and Florida and Georgia and Texas A&M and LSU and on down the line. The ACC has more schools that are more passionate about basketball and that that has complicated its ability to be as dominant, as relevant, as wealthy in football, which again is bringing in you know more than eighty percent of that TV money. Um, they've made strides. ACC football is way better now than it was for most of my thirty-plus years covering it. That's a good sign. But I don't think in most years we would say that it's as deep as the Southeastern Conference, and I don't think we would say there are as many fan bases who care as deeply about football in the ACC as there are in the SEC and, and the Big Ten. And, you know, the, those aren't things where Jim Phillips can snap his fingers and make it all better. But those are things that he's going to uh, inherit from John Swafford and try to make better. Dan Scott show slash grumpy old broadcasters continuing. Dave Glenn joining us. We've got the entire band together, Cobb and Dory and Tom Van Hoy here. Tom and I almost kind of just taking the day off and letting everybody else That's riff, great. Riff, great staff. riff a little a lot bit better here. Than what we, a lot better than what we do. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's go into overdrive in, in about our last uh, seven, eight minutes together here, Dave, and try to knock out some topics. Let, let's talk a little bit about the ACC title game coming up on Saturday afternoon in Charlotte. Uh, Clemson and Notre Dame, the rematch. I, I saw where Clemson opened as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, and as of last night, that went up to ten-and-a-half. Uh, that surprise oh. you at all? Yeah. Uh, I'm not a gambler. I do watch Neither the lines, but um, I, I knew Clemson was going to be the favorite. I'll say it surprises me if it's, if it hovers in double digits, that'll surprise me. I mean, th the reality is that for half of this season, Notre Dame was not ready to play a Clemson at full strength. We talked about it on your show. You know, the Notre Dame defense was championship caliber. The Notre Dame running game was championship caliber. But it took the veteran quarterback, Ian Book, roughly half of this season to kind of find his groove. I mean, Sam Howell at Carolina and Trevor Lawrence at Clemson and De'Ara King at Miami have been more consistently good than Ian Book. Now, Ian's been really good lately. And because the passing game has come along at Notre Dame, that makes the rematch more compelling. But I still think Clemson at full strength is the better team. Um, I would just, I'd be surprised if that spread stayed in double digits. You know, David has surprised me that the national narrative on that first game was, well, Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. That wasn't the problem. The problem no. was down three defensive starters. And I think another four went out of the game and, uh, still Clemson, all they needed was a first down to win the game. Um, but the kid, Uwe Ungalele, how about that? It took, only took me a full <laughs> season. Uh, 
played great. Um, he did. You know, I, I don't know how much Lawrence can add, but the, apparently the national media believes Lawrence was the difference in the first game. Yeah, that's a swing and a miss by the national media. I agree. Seriously, I mean, DJ was phenomenal eventually. And when you lose a high-scoring shootout, I mean, yes, Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback at this stage of his career, of course, than even a phenomenally talented freshman like DJ. Uh, so you can expect, I guess, a little bit of an upgrade. But those in the ACC and those certainly on the Clemson beat, fans or media, they realize, I mean, James Skalski is essentially the quarterback of the defense. So everybody knows the quarterback of the offense, how important he is. Quarterback of the defense matters a lot, too. Leadership, intelligence, hard-hitting, you know, uh, all that stuff. Experience, obviously, in his case, and others, as you mentioned. So I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a, an improved Notre Dame offense against an improved Clemson defense. And that's what it should be, right? This is... I remember going to ACC title games, the ones that have been in Charlotte I've gone to for the most part, and thinking the underdog has no chance, zero chance. I mean, there was a year Duke was in the championship game. There, Clemson, of course, more recently has just mostly murdered people. Uh, but even before that, I found it very predictable dating back, you know, many, many years. And I, I picked the Clemson Tigers. Don't get me wrong. I don't think this is a toss-up. But these are two really good football teams. And, and you all know the narrative we'll be watching. If Clemson barely beats Notre Dame, there's a chance. I don't see a lot of great candidates. If Alabama wins and, Cle and Clemson wins and Ohio State wins, there's three slots. I don't see a lot of great candidates for slot number four. And a Notre Dame that puts up a great fight against a Clemson and loses, theoretically, a close one, you know, they could be the first championship game loser ever invited to the college football playoff. I am well aware that Cincinnati and Texas A&M and others would, would have an argument perhaps for that spot, but it's at least a possibility, and I don't think we've ever been able to say that before. Dave, got about uh, three minutes left. I, I want to dive quickly uh, into this little controversy that uh, Mike Krzyzewski has found himself in, um, getting some backlash nationally, even from the coaching profession, for his uh, comments uh, over the weekend that they shouldn't be playing basketball in a pandemic, and he's canceled the rest of his non-conference schedule, which was exactly, I think, one game uh, against Gardner-Webb. And this comes after he had said prior to the season that there's no way we can afford not to play another NCAA tournament. We have to play one this March. Um, is he waffling? Is the the uh, criticism he's getting fair, or are his comments being taken out of context? I'll say a couple things. I think his crit the criticism he's getting has been more unfair than fair. And what I mean is, I don't think it's an either-or situation to both agree, hey, we better have an NCAA tournament because that generates 90-plus percent of the revenue for this thing we call the NCAA, and we can't miss an NCAA tournament two years in a row. And also say... I'm not sure we're taking the smartest approach to the regular season. I don't think they're, you know, it's an either or. I think you can believe both of those things. And the other reason I give Coach K the benefit of the doubt on this, I was in Greensboro when they pulled the plug on the ACC tournament this past March. And I know that Duke had told the Atlantic Coast Conference, even if you guys go forward, we're out. Have, have you all ever seen a school say that to a league before? I haven't. No. And you all know that decision is not being made without Mike Krzyzewski giving the green light. If he is ready to say, we're out, we're out of the chase for the ACC title unilaterally, um, well, then you have to give him the benefit of the doubt that it's coming from a genuine place because of his views and Duke's views about COVID. And the other thing to remember here, guys, everybody's talking about how he's lost a couple games and they're making jokes about his bad back year and bailing on all that stuff. There is nothing coaches value more than practice time. I mean, they will clutch practice time close to their bosom like you would a newborn baby. That's how much they care about it. The competitor in Mike Krzyzewski would never, never allow kids to go home to see their families forfeiting practice time. Everybody else is thinking, oh, he's dodging opponents because he's not as good this year. He is giving up precious practice time by taking this point of view. 
And I, I think those who are criticizing him most harshly are completely ignoring the fact that the, the one thing he wants to do is get better, and you don't get better by giving your kids less practice time. Tom, anything else for Dave before we go? Well, I was going to say, I wanted to bring up one football thing, and, and you, you maybe know this, but do you know that uh, Mac Brown was once Manny Diaz's boss at Texas, and last yeah. time that Manny Diaz led defense gave Ooh. up 550 yards rushing, that he was fired by Brown the next day? Yes, and I, I do not know the nature of their relationship today. Now, apparently both sides say they've kissed and made up and all that stuff, but anybody who saw the whooping that Carolina put on Miami has to wonder whether Mac was saving a little something extra for the Miami Hurricanes of Manny Diaz, man. That was a historic route. I mean, the Tar Heels set records and Miami set the wrong kinds of records. And we all know this is Clemson and Notre Dame and, and then a drop to everybody else. But I think the Tar Heels showed uh, that they can stake a claim to being next best because that was an absolute curb stomping. And I, I don't know if we'll ever find out to what degree there was a little extra layer put on that by Mac Brown. But uh, that's certainly an interesting subplot to consider. And you say to yourself, how in the world did they lose to Florida State? Yes, and Virginia. And Virginia. Unbelievable. You know, their defense has gotten a lot better. Their offense has been great the whole time. Um, Kirk Herbstreet was actually asked about that during the Miami-UNC broadcast, and I, I thought he whiffed. It's, there's been nothing wrong with Sam Howell and that Javante Williams and De'Ami Brown. De'Ami, yeah, De'Ami Brown. I mean, those are some of the best players in the country at those skill positions, not an exaggeration. That is a, a stunningly good offense. They were bad defensively for much of this season. Not mediocre, but bad. And they were pretty darn good against a Miami team that had put up big numbers against a lot of others. They've just gotten better on the defensive side of the ball. It'd be interesting to see where the Tar Heels go in a bowl game because um, they're, depending on who stays, they're one of the teams to watch as you look forward to bowl season and next year, outside, obviously, of the biggest games nationally. All right, Dave, tell everybody how they can follow more of what you do. We tweet at David Glenn Show. We write at accsports.com and theathletic.com and the Athletic Carolina. Um, I think that's everything for now. Great to be with you all again. Well, it's good, good to see you, man. Good to have you. We will yep. um, uh, hopefully get one more in before Christmas next week, right? I'm available. All right, good Never deal. Never been more available. All right, we'll take a break, come back, and put a wrap on things for this edition of the show and podcast in just a moment. Stay with us. Well, for those of you who are listening in podcast land only, doing something a little different this week, and uh, every time we can get the entire group together, we're going to do this on a regular basis if we can. This is bonus coverage. This is podcast-only segment uh, before the actual radio show segment will close. I know it's confusing, uh, and I confuse myself sometimes, but that's the way it goes. But uh, Cobb is still here. Tom is here. Dory is here. Um, I'll just, just kind of throw it open to the group here, your, your thoughts about some of the stuff that, uh, that Dave had to say, particularly on the uh, Coach K thing there at the end. And Cobb, you look like you're salivating. Well, I, you know, I just, I'm with the, the group that says, would he be saying this had he not lost two straight non-conference games at home for the first time in almost 40 years? Um, I'm understand that the Duke campus is one of the most locked down around. And if you're afraid of the COVID and you, this is what blows my mind. If you're afraid of the COVID and you, and you think we should shut down cause of the COVID, why are you sending your team home for five or six days? I mean, I understand they haven't seen their family since June and I'm all for that. In fact, I'm all for these teams this year saying no bowl game. We're done. We are absolutely cooked mentally and physically there. A bowl game this year is going to be nothing but a game anyway. You can't go to SeaWorld or 
uh, go eat nine million steaks at a local Brazilian steakhouse. I mean, it, it's just not what it, and the fans can't come travel, spend money. So it's not a, not a bold trip. So I totally get it with football, but if I'm afraid of the COVID and I don't want my team to get the COVID, I don't, I guarantee you they sent them home with a lot of precautions. Um, um, you know, I just, but I, again, I, there seems to be bubble wrap around Krzyzewski. I mean, I was, I was around when, uh, he threw Pete Gaudet under the bus and, uh, uh, still hasn't counted those games on his record and fired Gaudet after that season. In fact, funny story, I called Don Munson the other night and we were talking. He said he was in Kansas City for Clemson's NCAA tournament game against Kansas and he walked in the tunnel. He says, I, I recognize that guy. I'm supposed to know who that guy is. And he said he went up and introduced himself and he said, yeah, I'm Pete Gaudet. And Don said before he could hit the neutral button in his brain. He said, oh, you're the guy that Krzyzewski threw under the bus. <laughs> he said, Gaudet thankfully laughed. But I remember, the, I distinctly remember Gaudet's post-game press conference at Little John after Clemson beat him. And he said, well, I guess I'm going to have to find a bridge to jump off of between here and Durham. I mean, it was... So I, you know, Coach K is one of the untouchables. And a, and a big shock that over the weekend that Jim Beheim came out and supported Krzyzewski. I mean, I I personally totally agree. I mean, I, I just, Clemson seems to be handling it fine. Other teams seem to be handling it fine. The answer to this mess was to figure out how to handle and plow through it. If you got a case, then you deal with it you back up, you restart. It, it's just that's shutting it all down and starting it back in March for a May NCAA tournament is just not a good idea. Well, I, I think if we learned nothing else from, from this summer, Major League Baseball showed us right. th that you can yeah. do this. Major League Baseball showed us that you can do it, you can travel, and, and they, also yeah. they also showed us what happens if you don't follow protocols with what happened with the Miami right. Marlins and the St. Louis Cardinals, but they were able to fight through that and get a season. What was it? The perfect season? Was it the uh, ideal season? No, the players were not able to, to see their families. They had to stay isolated, but they got a 60 game season in. And, and I, I think everybody is happy that they went through what they went through now. So they showed us that we can do this uh, the, the the question is how badly do you want to do it? And I would imagine right. my my, exactly. my my cynical view is that if they're four and zero oh instead of two and two, they want to right. do it more badly than than they do at the moment. Absolutely. And Cobb, thank you. You're spot on, and thank you for letting us wrap this up so I can move forward with this week in a positive way. I'm actually thanking you, Cobb Eeyore, for some positivity this morning. Because I feel like if people see it your way, which is we got to plow through it, we will in fact start to get through it. I'm, I'm really confused by Coach K. And I actually am a Clemson fan who has also been a fan of Coach K. I know I'm an enigma in that respect, but I've always respected him for sure. And in this case, I'm confused. And I don't know if it's like what you said, it might be that he's just been in such a position of power for so long and kind of on top that he doesn't really see the big picture. And to, the, to him and this his program this year, this could be like a red shirt year for his program just to get better and not really have to go out and play against teams that potentially are going to beat them this year. That possibly is true, and I hate that. So I think we should all just implore the head coaches and the, you know, the higher-ups in the decision-making positions to just get through it, play. We want to play. We want to get through it. I'm not seeing that mentality kind of across the board, and I hate that. That's where I've been for the last several weeks and months. So, Cobb, I hope you're right. I hope that we can just get through it. Yes, we're going to have to proceed with caution, but that's about the extent of it. I've got my uh, work cut out for me on this conspiracy theory, though. I want to figure out Coach K's ties to all of this. I mean, he might be so connected, we have no idea. You know, he and Anthony Fauci, I think, grew up together, so – 
They might just be, you know, loyal to each other for life. So, so, so now Shashevsky has not only had a major hand in, in the hiring of the new ACC commissioner, but he's also directing national policy on the COVID Black response. Helicopters right? everywhere. I'm going to get to the bottom of the conspiracy some way or another. I love it. Absolutely love it. Oh my goodness. Uh, on another note, uh, Furman uh, basketball played in Cincinnati. Uh, and we were able to get that game in and travel and get away on the road, and, and Tom and I did. It was fantastic. But I, I introduced Tom in, in 28 hours uh, that, that what we could do to some of the nuances of my favorite city in the world, and I was just going to give him an opportunity to, to truthfully, to the group here, tell us what he thought about the experience uh, outside well, of the game, which Furman lost. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, I've traveled all over the country, but that's a, a part of the United States that I haven't been in. And and uh, it's been a long time, guys, since I've been on the 24th floor of a hotel. We were downtown and, and overlooking the football facility and and uh, just <clears throat> a, a great uh, just a, a great trip and the the Reds Hall of Fame was, was remarkable and I know Dan that you're good friends with Marty Brenneman the, the Hall of Fame uh, broadcaster for the Reds for what 40 some years you grew up with him and we got a chance to have uh, lunch with him and you introduced me to Skyline Chili and, and all that kind of stuff so yeah we were in and out and traveling uh, late at night and got back about three or four in the morning and uh, but it was it was great that they allowed us to go get the games in and you and I always talk about so far Furman has played every game. And, you know, after the fifth game, you hope you can get to the sixth game and and so forth and so on. So, so far Furman has not had, lost any games. But, yeah, it was a good, good trip. Let us come in, 12,000-seat stadium or arena, and only 300 were allowed in. It's, it's a really weird, yeah. eerie kind of an atmosphere that we broadcast in these days. But just I think you need to play. And if you can follow the protocols and if you want to play, if you don't want to play, that's fine. But uh, I think that the majority of, of folks w w would like to play, and many of the coaches have said their kids are probably safer being with them and all the protocols that are around the programs nowadays. Well, Cobb, I told Dory this before we started recording, so I know you're going to love this, is that we were able to go on the road to Charleston, do that game uh, against the college of Charleston. We were able to go to Cincinnati, do that. Uh, we're going to be able to go to Winthrop in uh, a week or 10 days. We're going to be able to go everywhere uh, inside the Southern Conference and broadcast on site as long as the games are actually played. But Tuesday night, uh, tomorrow, as we're recording this on Monday, when Furman plays at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, Tom and I have to do the game off a of video monitor because the Southeastern Conference is not allowing visiting radio into any of their venues. They're, wow. they're, they're, they're solving COVID by not allowing visiting radio into their venues. Wow. Well, you know, has, again, has, has, I, has nothing to do I'll with controlling the narrative. Last week and, you know, the Virginia Tech, they didn't allow them to travel for football, but Don's traveling to Virginia Tech for basketball Tuesday. So it, just, it makes figure no that sense. out. In, in football, you're going to be isolated in a booth. Right. Should just clear out the aisles in Walmart, put up a couple of goals, and everybody can come to the game. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Uh, you know, just just because I can't let things like this go, I, I have filed off a protest email to the uh, uh, bas ba basketball commissioner at, at, at the uh, SEC, and, and, and I've done it in a in a very respectful way. But I, I laid that out I, I laid out what I thought was a solid case for number one the ridiculousness if if Furman can get TV, home radio, visiting radio our media and all of our game day operations people in there safely socially distanced in a 2800 seat arena. You can't put two visiting radio people in the rafters somewhere in an sec basketball arena. Come on. Really? Plus, plus, really, plus the fact, really. plus the fact, check out these safety protocols. We don't travel with the team. We stay at a different hotel. We broadcast wearing masks. We disinfect our equipment. We bring our own food and water. I mean, it's, you know, I'm all for safety, and, and my family has had you know, my, my daughter and son and the infant grandson, or son-in-law and infant grandson have had it. My parents are about three weeks removed from having it, and they're both uh, in their uh, early 70s. So uh, I understand safety, but there's also common sense. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Well, just remember, Dan, the vaccine trucks are rolling. 
and I'm and I'm all for all the video we can get of people getting vaccinated because I am thoroughly convinced that after 40% of the population sees that there will be a collective calm of relief and that's a great maybe idea we Let can start returning to our normal not the new normal well if you're talking about yeah, the normal for the four people in this in this uh, zoom call i'm not sure that that's a normal we want to inflict well, on I've the rest of the world so. and, <laughs> and you know they're allowing 1820 people and i was at the maryland game the other night and of course we're not allowed to sit where we've been sitting which was on the floor They've moved us up to the club area. And I look over to my left, I mean, directly the next section over, and there must have been 12 to 15 Maryland fans decked out in Maryland gear. I'm like, how did they get in here? You know, I mean, it's like, and I know that Clemson has moved radio upstairs between the lower and upper deck. Um, the only people on the floor are the clock people, video guy, and the SID. And um, but you know, uh, it boils down to the players want to play. So you figure out how to you figure out how to do it, and we'll carry on with this for you know a while longer. But eventually, eventually we'll. We'll be back. It, I, I will say this. I don't think sports can take another year of this. I mean, I think they really have to figure out how to return fans to the stands. Um, no, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I just, uh, we can't. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do, but, um, I mean, my, my nephew worked for Tampa Bay Lightning. He got laid off after a year, 30 people in one day, and it's because – there's no tickets to sell. There's no marketing to do. NHL doesn't really even know when they're going to start playing again. So, yeah, and then Tom, Tom, it, uh, in one sense, to some people, it may sound selfish, but the simplicity of the matter is from from you and I, our standpoint, we just want to do the games. Yeah, right. that's that's yeah. it. You just right. want to broadcast the games, and you know when Kansas played Kentucky in in Indianapolis in the Champions Classic there, and came back uh, from behind and won that game. Bill Self, the head coach of Kansas, he said there was nobody there. And he said it was just like a glorified scrimmage. And, you know, it's just a really difficult situation. And you, we just hope, as Cobb says, we can get back to you – know, I'm with you, Cobb, and not the new normal, but I mean, maybe we can't get back to the old normal, but we need to get back to uh, a semblance thereof, I guess. Well, we will see what happens. Um I know that uh, there are a lot of uh, tinfoil hats that are still being uh, still being worn around the world and the black helicopters and everything else, as, as Cobb has mentioned. But uh, bottom line is, from our standpoint, uh, like I said, Tom and I, we, we've been able to broadcast, uh, what, five games or six games now? Six, yeah, six, six games. Yeah, I, my West Virginia math kicking in again. Six games and uh, for all, all else, uh, nothing else goes wrong. We'll do a seventh, but it'll be from the studio instead of uh, online at Tuscaloosa. I, I, okay, wait. Oh, sorry. Didn't, didn't want you to wrap it up. I've got to ask. I have to inquire about this marshmallow man in the, the, the stay, screen here. The Stay Puff Marshmallow Man? Is there a story man? there, Cobb? Cobb has? Yes. What, what is the story there? Besides Ghostbusters, is that, is that the, ghost, is that the marshmallow the man? He, he got into a wrestling match down there in South Anderson. Remember that? <laughs> is that the Michelin character you had, but, but Marshmallow Man got into it. A lot I of don't fun. know that story. We I'm, need to hear about that sometime. That's all you could think of with the state puff marshmallow man. <laughs> well, she's getting ready to homeschool, Cobb. So you know. She's <laughs> oh, my mind has been gone for a long time, y'all. So thank you. I appreciate this as always. It's been a pleasure listening to you guys. And keep it up. Let's go back to the old school. Let's. We've gotten ahead of ourselves. We need to rein it back in and just. Get through, push through. That's what Plow we're trying through, to do. As Cobb says. Hopefully, you guys can put it on your calendar. We can do this every Monday now. So okay, let's do it. Same All right. bat time, same bat channel. Exactly, same okay. bat day. Same bat day. <laughs> I wish uh, they go back to bat day at the ballpark, though, Dan. You know. Oh yeah, remember that? Yeah, now you, day was good too. Yeah. 
Well, they, you know, they I think they still do ball day and and or any yeah. any of those giveaways, but they got smart. They started giving them <laughs> to giving fans the balls after you leave as they leave, Virtually. so people don't <laughs> throw them on the field when they disagree uh, with the call. Oh, so, yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah. Hey, you don't want, and I know you need to wrap it up, but you know, it's amazing how your mind works. But I don't, did you guys ever go to bat day? I actually did up in Kansas City, and I, oh, then yeah. I came back, I came back and used it in, in a, like a, a little, in a game, you know, <laughs> that's 10 years old. So, anyway, or whatever that's worth. Well, I, I still I, have the bat. I'll tell, I'll tell you a story along those same lines, and then we'll wrap it up. You know, Tom Browning in 1988 in September pitched a perfect game for the Reds, right? And so he has the, the baseball on his mantle. Well, years later, his uh, son and a neighbor oh. are out playing baseball oh, where they lived in northern Kentucky, <laughs> lost it, needed a new baseball, and his son came in, got the, the perfect oh. game baseball, the final out. He struck out Tracy Woodson to end the game, and uh, that ball got lost in the woods of northern Kentucky somewhere. Uh, How about that? Hey, d- Dan, didn't Tom Browning, was he the guy that uh, in uniform sat in the bleachers at – yeah, Wrigley Field, or is that somebody no, else? No, he sat on the roof uh, over on the across, roof. over across the way. Yeah, uh, <laughs> overlooking Wrigley. Why? Huh? In uniform? Why? Because he wasn't he wasn't pitching that day, and uh, he was Tom Browning. He's a left-hander. That's all you need to know. Left-handed. <laughs> all right, guys. All right. Enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. We will uh, close out the podcast and the radio side here in just a moment. Stay with us. Right, we are back to wrap things up on uh, the show and podcast. Stay tuned. Lee Collins is coming up next here on WZLA and Abbeville. For those of you who are listening exclusively on the radio, if you go to the podcast site uh, beginning today and, and hopefully moving forward every week, there's actually some bonus coverage between the end of our Dave Glenn segment and this segment here closing out the radio show. So if you want to go uh, check that out, there's about another 16 or 18 minutes with just the four of us kind of uh, kicking around some things. So you can check that out, uh, Grumpy Old Broadcasters, wherever you find podcast search and uh, like it and share it and do all those good things. I'll just remind you here again that the podcast portion is brought to you by our friends at Todaro Pizza, T-O-D-A-R-O Pizza.com. Uh, the main location that we talk about mostly is uh, the Markley Street location in Greenville. Uh, they also have the uh, Clemson location on Sloan Street. That location, Clemson, is only doing pickup and delivery right now, but there is indoor and outdoor seating at Markley Street. We'll be back with you again uh, coming up next Monday. Uh, it'll be the show before Christmas, and we'll see what we can do to, to uh, hopefully bring you some holiday cheer heading uh, into um, – What's going to be a Christmas I think that all of us are very much looking forward to here in 2020. Listen, have yourself a a great day, a great week, and we'll see you again on the Dan Scott Show and Grumpy Old Broadcasters. Again, here on WZLA in Abbeville, Lee Collins is coming up next. And until next time, I'm Dan Scott saying God bless you and so long, everybody.